Hey friends, cozy up to the Meyer Side Chat, a podcast where guests explain their journey into health and wellness along with other passions and interests. And here's your host, Bill Meyer. Welcome everybody to a Meyer Side Chat. I am your host, Bill Meyer. Today, we have a good friend of mine, Andrew Brewer, with us. Andrew is the Director of Instruction at Bayville Golf Club here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He is a PGA member, and actually, he was recently awarded one of Golf Digest's Best Teachers in America for the state of Virginia. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Yeah, Good absolutely. to be on. Yeah. So... Give us kind of the the statistics of where you're from, how you got to Virginia, you know, just kind of family background, uh, you know, childhood, stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I'm originally from Ocala, Florida. So just smack dab in the middle of nowhere, Florida, center of the state. Um, Picked up golf kind of late in life, uh, around high school school age, Mm -hmm. Uh, but got pretty good at it pretty quick. Um, Spent a lot of time just practicing and playing. Um, That led me to really love the game of golf. And uh, what the Hank Haney project was actually on TV at that time. Oh, yeah, and I, thought I that, remember that. That was really fascinating and kind of wanted to learn more about how, how, would, it, how would one go about getting on that show? Mm. At first, just from like a student standpoint, but then it kind of led, morphed into a teaching thing. Um, I moved to North Carolina when I was close to my senior year of high school, and I got a pamphlet from Campbell University about golf management program, which I never knew existed. Uh, and kind of was just like, let's check this out. Did a campus tour. I was like, man, I could really see myself doing this golf thing for a living. Um, were you playing in high school at the time? I was playing competitively in high school. Yeah. Uh, doing some junior tournaments. Uh, I was actually a really big competitive bowler at that time. Oh, nice. Uh, had an opportunity to go play for Florida state and they had a golf management program at the same time, but golf really morphed into a passion of mine and a love and bowling kind of turned into like this job and mm. kind of got burned out from it. Um, and went and did golf. And once I graduated, I had some contacts in the Virginia beach area from, from Campbell and job opening came up and I was always one to kind of say, Hey, I want to, I don't really care where I live. I just want to go do what I want to do and, and love and the right fit came and I love the beach. So it just kind of worked out. Very cool. So where was your, was Bayville your, your first job uh, right out of graduating from college or kind of did you ping around a couple times? Yeah. So one of the beauties of kind of the education that I went through is we had to do 16 months of work experience before we could graduate. So that really gave me an opportunity to understand maybe where in the country I wanted to work, what aspects of the golf industry I wanted to be in, because we have, there's so many different avenues for golf in terms of you've got merchandise, you've got tournament operations, you've got teaching, and then you've kind of got the whole general manager side where you're kind of in charge of everything. And I kind of knew at an early point in my career that I wanted to teach, but after working in Indiana and Connecticut and um, North Carolina, I decided, yeah, I really want to teach. But when I graduated from Campbell, I was the first assistant at uh, the Preserve Golf Club at Jordan Lake in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, and then about six months into that job, Bayville came, came open. Um, so very short stint out of college before coming to Bayville. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, you know, casual question about instruction to start with, just to kind of ease us in. Do you have a favorite style of, uh, uh, 
not a favorite style, but like a favorite shot or part of the golf game that you like to teach more than others, say putting or driving or, you know, iron play wedge, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of a trick question too. I mean, I like teaching all of it, but putting is a huge passion of mine. It's always been nice, but it's also, I think one of the hardest things to teach just because the expectation level for people is so high. Um, they think putting's easy, which I, I think that's why it makes it so much fun to teach in a passion because you get to educate people on, uh, yeah, it's 10 foot putt. You shouldn't make 10 out of 10. Like that's yeah. just unrealistic. It um, is true because I, I, as a golfer myself, um, I, I look at putting and say, well, the ball simply doesn't have to go very far. I feel like it should have a high probability of going in the hole, even right. though the hole is fairly small in ratio to the ball. You get that conversation a lot in instruction? 100%. I mean, I get it all the time where people come in and it's like, man, I didn't hit my driver well. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see your scorecard. Walk me through it. And I'm like, yeah, hit this fairway. And I, I three-putted this hole. I'm like, so you hit your driver bad? Well, they hit that one bad driver, right. right? But it's just like that hole's so small which means that the miss, if you miss it at all, you're in trouble. But like the perception is it's easy. It's short. It's a feel thing. It's all natural. Everybody should be good at it. I don't have to practice it. But then you get to like a driver and the fairway is big. Like yeah. You can miss hit it a little bit and be fine. So like the, the, it's just that perception thing's fun. And that makes it challenging as a coach, um, to get people to want to take that lesson. But it's so much fun when you kind of see that light bulb go off like, wow, my expectations are really off on this, but then I start making more putts. So yeah. um, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of, a lot imagine of nuances. It, it does go down to that cliche of, you know, drive for show, putt for dough. You know, everybody in golf knows that phrase their entire life. But when you really start taking, like Andrew's actually taken me through a, a putter fitting, uh, you know, kind of a 30 minute putting lesson. And it blew my mind. You know, when I walked away from that, the amount of information that, I was missing on how to read a putt, um, how to gauge how much energy to put into it. It, you know, wedge game, iron game, you know, woods, I kind of get the concept of it. And, and like he, you, you just alluded to, you've got a bigger target to where if you miss a little bit, it's probably fine. But, you know, I, I might take two strokes to get to the green or three strokes to get to the green. And then if I do another three from within 20 feet, that's, you know, the whole thing's lost. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. And it's just, you look at what was given to us from a par standpoint, right? Par four, the golf hierarchies, right? You say USGA, whatever have said on a par four, you get one tee shot. You should hit the green on the second shot and you have two putts, right? You look at a par three, you should hit the green on one shot, two putts, par five, three shots, Right, some people get into, but to consider a green and regulation, three shots, and you get two putts. So if you add that up, two times eighteen, that's in par seventy-two. Half the game's putting. Yeah, but it's probably the one area that people don't want to practice because it's boring, or yep. you know, it's not as fun or sexy as hitting your driver three hundred yards or being able to stick a seven iron to two feet. But I mean, it's it's half the game, yeah. and it's hard. It's it, very hard. It's hard to sell that passion. You know, being a, an instructor myself in, in, in the fitness and performance realm, it's, you know, I understand what you're getting at, but I imagine it's really hard to sell that passion to other people to be really committed to it. Well, I would say, at least from a guy's perspective, to kind of compare putting from fitness, at least for me, it's like leg day. 
Yeah. Like everybody wants big biceps, big shoulders, big chest. They don't really want to put the works into the legs. Yeah. That's putting, right? That's it's uh, super I like important. That. I like that. It's it's leg day. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you're you're gonna wear pants, so you can't really see the legs. You know, in fitness we call it the mirror muscles. It's like what can you see, you know, when you get out of the shower. You know, it's like the mirror is kind of waist up, so you got like a stomach, pecs, shoulders, and arms. You know, so yeah, no one's really caring a lot about the legs. So same thing with putting. Take us through a, a day in the life of Andrew Brewer at at Bayville. So what are as a director of instruction? What are your responsibilities? Your roles? You know, when you get here in the morning to when you leave. Kind of just take us through an elevator speech about that. Yeah. So I I would have I have a job that a lot of people would think is not a job, which that's the way I view it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of fun at work. Um, you know, I, I start my day out early, whenever my first lesson really is, but I try to get here around eight. Um, I'll do probably about six or seven lessons a day in the summertime, which you'll have various handicap ranges in that from beginners all the way up to scratch or pro pro golfers. Uh, I've worked with a few mini tour guys um, and some junior classes. And then on top of that, another thing that I really enjoy doing is club fitting. Uh, so that's just kind of a variety, but it's usually sun up to sundown, just teaching six days a week um, and hoping to impart my passion on the golf game to people as well as get them a little better at golf and then uh um, there's some administrative work that has to be done which you know that's kind of boring but yeah you know i get i have a really cool facility that you you know that we get to share together and it's it really kind of feels like when you step on property that you're getting a tour experience yeah you know i know that um i definitely agree that's trying to be the culture here is you kind of get that tour van tour stop experience with the fitness aspect the club fitting and the and the golf instruction so yeah, doing the performance training out here for Bayville um, for the last year and a half, I, I can definitely agree. And I hear I hear members out here talking about it frequently that when, when you come here, this place is like no other place in Hampton Roads with how peaceful it is, how professional it is, uh, you know, from what you have access to, from technology to space, peace and quiet, um, probably the best instruction in, you know, in, in Virginia, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to ignore. Yeah, it's a one-stop um, shop. You don't have to go anywhere else for anything. It's, that's what that's one of the things that we're very proud of here, and we keep trying to expand that with education and like we, you know, having you come on board last year and a half ago, and um, just really trying to make it where our membership doesn't have to seek outside for yeah needs. Um, so it's really cool. It's really yeah. cool. What uh, part of the reason I wanted to have you on to to the show? is to talk about the modernization of golf. I think, from my opinion, I'm not a great golfer, but I enjoy it. I'm passionate about it. I like watching a little bit, keeping up with it, um, playing when I can, practice when I can. Um, I think, in my opinion, golf is hitting a point where it's as cool as it's ever been Mm -hmm. to be a golfer and to play golf from you know, the personalities on the course, uh, on the different tours, on the men's tours, on the women's tours, um, the fashion, Mm -hmm. the technology, the data. Um, uh, What I'm noticing when I'm looking at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, golf instruction seems to be modern in a sense of it's not your, your grandfather's game anymore. It seems to be young people like we mentioned you're 26 years old you're director of instruction uh and i think you've earned that for my opinion and being around you for this long now what do you think 
you know, led you at, at such an age to get into golf, which is typically our grandfather's game, you know, hypothetically, and now to where you're at the point in your career? Like, what, what are the things that you think got you here that you could probably influence other young people to, to work on and maybe? Yeah, so I think you've hit the nail on the head when it comes to just like golf is at this very modern um, aspect from the fashion, all of that from a youth standpoint. I mean, years and I mean, when I was a junior golfer, you know, is juniors aren't really at the golf course, and you know, you better wear this really preppy style of clothing, in my opinion, right? No flat bills, none of that stuff. Really tight, groomed haircuts and mm-hmm. no beards, whatever, and. Um, you know, if you weren't at this certain age, you just weren't taken seriously. You know, you were a cart guy, you, you helped set up the junior clinics, but you weren't teaching. Um, so I think that if I was coming up in a different, like a generation prior, I don't, I don't think I'd be where I am just from that. Like it's more accepting now of the younger age. But one of the biggest things that I've seen is just the amount of information. I think the internet, social media, is just change the game for guys like like me at my age and there's a, I have a bunch of colleagues that are around my age that have been very successful as well and I think if we all were in the same room and we that same question was asked I really truly think we'd all have a very similar response in the sense of and older instructors right are much more willing now to share information mm-hmm. um, I I think that majority of them are, we're just trying to do what's best for the game of golf because now, yes, it is this modern, it is, it is more appealing to the youth, but it's still grandpa's game mm-hmm. and it's expensive. So we can see that golf might be, or had been in years past on the decline. So we're like, how do we, how do we grow this game? How do we grow this game that we all love so much that gave us our careers and our livelihood and this passion. And so it's much more accessible. The other side too is golf Without the internet, without social media, YouTube was a big one. We'd have to fly, drive, or whatever, and talk to somebody face-to-face to figure out what's your teaching philosophy? How are you getting these players as good as you are? And there probably wasn't as many known instructors back then. Like, you had your Butch Harmons. You had your Hank Haney's. But that was, like, it. You know, your game. Yeah, I mean, like, 20 years ago, I could yeah. name two instructors. Right. Now there's hundreds, Right. And you look at this Golf Digest list and you're just looking at names and you're like, man, I see that guy on YouTube all the time. I see that guy on Instagram all the time. And it's just like that. You can get these gold nuggets from these people. But now it's also those guys did the grunt work. They did all the legwork to figure out how do we coach people effectively? How do, what's the proper swing, swing sequence or what are these preferences? And, you know, I, I got really lucky with mentors of mine that were very ahead of the time and we're willing to share information and it's just, we're so much farther ahead. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like a guy that took 50 years or 30 years to get to where he is, I can come in now and I'm already at that space just cause that information is there. Yeah. Anybody, anybody listening that, that, that knows the game of golf plays it, you know, no matter what, at, at, at what level they've heard of track man at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have track man here at, at Bayville, um, you're a huge fan of it from an instructional standpoint, from a data standpoint. I can't help but think about the correlation between, you know, young-aged instructors instructors using high levels of technology and data to help improve the game uh, versus the amount of, let's just say, some of the clients I have. Um, in fact, a, a golfer I work with the other day who is 70 years old, 
he couldn't figure out how to you know, crop a photo on his iPhone. So it makes me think, okay, so maybe just make a small correlation. You got maybe a 62 year old golf instructor in Florida that's been doing it for 40 years. Um, all this data I imagine could be overwhelming. So it might appeal more towards, you know, the Andrew Brewers of, of, of the golf community. Yeah. And that's a good take on it. Um, Definitely, there's, you know, a lot of people that were very successful at teaching golf a certain way, and they've done it for a long time. And, um, you know, TrackMan's expensive. And so I, I can, there's definitely that s- sector of the industry that's like, I've done it very successfully for this long. Why would I pay X dollars, you know, to buy this when I've been getting people better for a long period of time, right? They, there might not be that return on investment sure. there. And there's also that stubbornness of, you know, I don't need that. And, uh, there's also, you know, a, a fair amount of people out there that think that the technology is making people worse or it's just too much information. Um, but yeah, TrackMan and all the other launch monitors out there are absolutely unbelievable. It just makes my job easier. Oh, I and, imagine, uh, yeah. it, it's, it's just like going to the doctor and saying, Hey, I have something wrong. And they put you in an MRI, they take a cat scan or a full body scan. And it's just like, boom, here's the results yeah. versus sitting there waiting for blood work, waiting on, a guess of hey i think you might have this broken leg well did you take an x-ray well i don't know like there's a hairline fracture i can't see that yeah right so and and the camera was one of the first things that started that i i can't remember you know i remember when i first started taking lessons it was a big deal when somebody brought out a camcorder and hooked it up and i it was huge for me as a as a kid seeing it uh, so the camera was a big tech thing, but that, yeah. tr- that track, man, man, is, it's unreal. <laughs> it's been eye-opening for students. You know, I can just sit back and show them a number and they're like, oh, that's what that means. And boom, go for I it. Imagine, I imagine we could do an entire, uh, another episode on track, man. It's, yes. <laughs> I, I've watched you use it a, a few times now and I'm, uh, I'm incredibly amazed by it. I mean, I, I have a good feel for data and technology in my, in my field, but that damn thing is cool. Um, you mentioned earlier influences uh, and mentors. Um, who are your major influences in life so far, even at your young age? Uh, you know, let's just say maybe golf specific and even outside of golf. Yeah, so I got to throw this plug in here um, because I know if, if he hears it, I'll get in trouble. My, hmm. uh, the whole reason I'm even in this position is because of my uncle. Uh, my parents didn't play golf at all. Um, so my uncle and cousin, really avid golfers, they kind of took me under their wing whenever I go visit. And that was really cool. So he's been a huge part of that because we yeah. still talk a lot about golf. And um, it's really interesting to see kind of how things are evolving with that. But uh, I got really lucky at Campbell uh, that David Orr was there. He's uh-huh. probably been one of the most impactful on the, my teaching side, as well as just a personal standpoint of really just making sure I stay who I am and don't try to be somebody else, just be the best me that I can be. Yep. And then take, he, like, again, he's one of those guys that probably the biggest pioneer now on research side for putting and has been very open to sharing information and helping me become the best coach I can be for that. Uh, Dana Delquist is another guy for full swing. Um, he is, he's got it on a whole nother level when it comes to how to get somebody to hit it farther, more efficient, really creating a fast golf swing without a lot of work Mm -hmm. and he keeps it simple um which is really cool and then uh tj eaton uh i would say the reason i'm in the position i am in today is because of that guy 
Um, he is a younger individual, another Campbell alumni. And I, I met him through f- Facebook and he stayed on my couch one time, never met the guy in my life. And yeah, there you go. He was down in the Charlotte area for a, um, web.com at the time championship event at the, in Charlotte. And he needed a place to crash. So he just kind of posted to our alumni page. Hey, I'm going to be in Charlotte. Anybody live there that has a sofa and we, myself and my roommate Luke said, yeah, come on, stay. We knew who he was. And through that, I ended up getting an internship from him and he was younger and was already coaching tour players and director of instruction and made it on golf digest list. Number one in the state of Indiana. So I was kind of like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. This guy's onto something. I want to be that guy. So he, he kind of took me under his wing and helped me figure out how to fast track my career. And also the dude's a genius when it Mm -hmm. comes to golf. So those guys right there have been instrumental. That's great. All right, so now let's put ourselves in the training bay. Um, you know, actually, we're recording this episode in the uh, the training room at the Performance Center at Bayville, uh, and about twenty yards over there is Andrew's training bay, where you know he does all of his lessons. You know, indoor lessons. That is. Um, let's get kind of in the mind of being in the training bay. What are some obstacles? I mean, I'd say eighty percent of the people you work with, like me, are your average golfer you know they can go out and maybe shoot an 80 one day uh maybe even 73 and then the very next day same conditions they shoot a 92 you know I, I imagine a lot of us can relate to that what are your biggest most common obstacles that you see and experience with your clientele in the training bay oh that's a good question so let me just make sure I'm clear on what you're asking here. Sure. When you say obstacles, are you talking like common swing thought flaws or are you talking more just like personality? Well, I was going to say, you know, to, and, and I could set that up better. Anything from a swing flaw from we need more turn. I got you. You need, yeah, yeah. You need a better plane in your backswing uh, to you need to be open to my instruction more. Um, uh, you know, from the personal training fitness side, personalities heavily come into play. Mm -hmm. Some people just want to like feel like they're in charge of the session and then other, you know, and then on the complete flip side, physicality wise, they just can't accomplish what me as the trainer or you as the golf swing instructor want. So just kind of throw out some random, you know, things that, 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 that are, you know, kind of interesting to you from a obstacle standpoint. Yeah, so I think there's there's multiple, like, I just wanted to make sure that was clear, so thanks sure, for that. Yeah. But, like, there's so many different obstacles. I, I, I battle, um, and personality is not that the individual is just a bad personality that doesn't sure. fit, but coaching um, to a certain personality, right? I think that's one of the struggles I have, or the hardest thing is, not everybody is the same personality that I am. So I can't coach everybody the same way. And I, I was listening a couple of weeks ago to a um, fellow PGA member, uh, Rick Sessinghouse out of California, who's a uh, Colin Morikawa's coach, uh, but he's got a very intensive uh, background in psychology. Um, and we were talking about when you have a player that comes in with this certain personality trait, how do you coach that? And mm-hmm. I think that's really eye-opening. And that's difficult because I might be more of a reserve person and somebody coming in with high energy might need me to be more high energy during that lesson. Sure. And that's a tough one for me, but also you get somebody that's low key. I don't want to come in there with high energy, right? I want to kind of meet them on that level. So that, that, yeah. that in itself can be a challenge. 
because I might not be in the best of moods that day or had a lesson prior that really exhausted me. Yeah. And I'm just looking for a chill lesson. And it turns out to be this guy really needs some motivation. Yeah, in, in a way, we're actors. You yeah. Know, in ex- that sense. Exactly. You know, it's like, I've got to play up to this. I've got to, you know, drop back down for this and kind of, you know, play a different role essentially hour after hour. Exactly. And then, so there's that. That's an issue. But then I think being open for change mm. is tough. Yeah. And that's where I'm kind of curious on your take on it. And we could probably do a whole nother podcast on this from a fitness standpoint, but I have this and I could be way wrong on this, but it's like you get into a training session with a fitness trainer. It's almost like, I know why I'm here. I'm going to get here. I'm going to work out. I'm going to lose some weight or I'm going to get bigger muscles. I'm going to listen. And there might be like, well, that looks tough. I'm not good enough for that. Mm -hmm. But then you got guys that have this preconceived notion on how they should swing a golf club where they... Mm -hmm looked at this latest golf magazine and said, I need to do this in my golf swing. And I just scratched my head and I'm like, what? You're a 20 handicap, man. Yeah. Like, don't tell me how to do my job. Yeah. In a sense, but yeah. it's getting, the, breaking that barrier to let them trust you to go for it. I yeah. think the most rewarding times as a student coach relationship is you've built that rapport and you tell them to do something so far off the wall that you know that they're not going to listen. Yeah. And they kind of look at you like, man, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Like that's when you're in and yep. you can get that guy yeah. as I mean, good I, as they possibly want. You know, we're not trying to name names or anything, but I, I know in my head I can come up with half a dozen clients that I've had for a long time. Like, like you can come up with a list in your head, a real short list, really quick of people that have totally bought in mm-hmm. that you've influenced and changed uh, drastically. And now there's just no turning back. They just, they're all in. Yep. And then, uh, expectations is tough. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes golf instruction so hard is I got one opportunity in a sense. If I say something and said, Hey, I want you to do this and they don't hit it good. Man, it's a shrink session trying to get them to do it again. Yep. Um, so you got to be really careful when you say something. So that that's tough. Um, and then the, like you said, that can they physically do what we're trying to do like that, that in itself can be tough, but it all leads to, and that's why I think the tech is really helpful is like this feel versus real mm-hmm. conversation where cameras are huge for that. Trackman's great for that, where it's, I need you to do this. Okay. I did it. Look at the camera. Not even close. I'm like, what well, man, I felt like I did it. I'm like, I know you did. It's hard. Let's just try it again. Give me a little more. And that's kind of where you, where I have that validation of like, Hey, you did this and you see the shot went well, shot didn't go well. You didn't do it. Here's the proof. Yeah. Right. So it's just getting people into that mindset. And my last little thing on this tangent, because I could go on this all day. Oh yeah. I could play off of this all day with fitness. uh, It's just not natural. Mm. I get that a lot. Posture. That doesn't feel natural. Grip, change the grip. God forbid you change somebody's grip. Oh, Lord. <laughs> right? Probably one of the biggest fundamentals um, in the game. Now, there's doesn't mean you have to hold it a specific way. There's matchups based off the golf swing for player type and what we're trying to get shot-wise. But you change how somebody stands and holds the club, they're going to be all sorts of wacky from a feel standpoint. Yeah. So that's always, man, that doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't feel natural. Well, I don't know about you because you're much more expert on this from a body motion standpoint, but golf's not a natural motion. Absolutely. I don't think we're, there's nobody that's born to swing a golf club. Yeah. 
right? There's better people that are more skilled just because maybe they just have better hand-eye coordination or they're blessed with better joint rotation, right? Or, or flexibility or however you want to look at it. Yeah. But we're, it's not a natural motion. So I, I, like, people just don't think it feels natural or comfortable. And it's, if, why are you in a lesson? Yeah, if you're not open to the if you're not open to change, right? And I and this this is an interesting one. I had a really good conversation with a buddy of mine, Gavin Parker, and uh, and this is relayed information from another colleague, John Eisman in D.C. And it was really good players coming in, and you know we get that all the time where you have a scratch handicapper, college player, whatever. They're obviously really good at what they do, right? And they're coming to see you for something. Well, a lot of us golf instructors, and I'll be the first to admit it, are scared to change something because, like, obviously they're good, right? Mm. And they might not be open. Those are usually the most stubborn ones, by the way. Yep. To change. And John had a really good quote, and, I, and this might not be word for word, but it's like, they're paying you money. Change it. Yeah. Right? They're coming to see you. You need to change it. Yeah. There's I a mean, reason they're there. That's true because I have, I have clients that you know, they come in and I, I might say, I mean, your flexibility is great. Your cardiovascular health is, is way above average. You look strong, you feel strong, you can function. You know, why in the hell are you paying me the amount of money you're paying me? But their motivations might just be different. Like I still have to, to create a plan and implement that plan as if they're, you know, starting from scratch or, or, or at least, you know, find a goal or an objective that they can focus on because physicality wise, they have great rotation. They've got great power, power output. So it's like, well, I'll just kind of add a, you know, to steal, you mentioned Gavin, Gavin talks about, about, you know, getting 1% better every day. I just say, okay, by doing this workout or this next month, you know, microcycle, they're going to get 1% better, yeah. you know, even though I think, well, hell, they're already really good, but everybody has a, a you know, different motivation. Definitely. And then you get on that side of it is you got the better players that they've done it one way for so long. And they're looking for that extra 10%, that extra 15% of improvement. Right. Yeah. And they might have a huge mechanical issue. And, you know, I'm a big believer of consistency. You know, if you do the same thing every time and it's repeatable, then I don't really care how you do it as long as it's effective. Sure. Like if you're consistently shanking it, I'm not going to tell you to aim as far left and shank it around the golf course. Yeah. um, And you find that, hey, this is why that one out of every 15 times this shot happens. And you're like, okay, well, we want to get rid of that. And you might work on it for six months and you might feel like, oh, I got a little, like, I just don't feel like I've working so hard and this new miss has come up or whatever. And it's like, we wanted to fix that 15%, you know, give, take it, take some time. Yeah. Um, I know like, and this isn't like a, a fact or anything, but it's just my observation. If you look at Tiger Woods, career, he gave everybody two years from a swing coach standpoint. Mm. gave everybody two years to do what they needed to. So if, if at the guy at the highest level of the game is working with somebody for that, right? You got to give me more than six months. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Um, so it, it, it's interesting. So it's a whole thing on challenges yeah. and all that, but yeah. yeah. Can you come up, you know, it's a little on the spot, but can you maybe think of a success story 
that, that you want to share, you know, you can give a name or not give a name. It doesn't matter, but you know, something where you started working with a particular golfer and then in X amount of time, which doesn't really matter if it's in 90 days, this happened or in yeah. 10 months, this happened, that doesn't matter. But you know, a favorite story that you kind of go to, that's a success story, uh, from taking someone from point A to point B. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to share two. Go for it. Um, just because they're different. And one of them actually happened today. Nice. Um, won't name names, but had a guy that hasn't really taken many lessons from me in the past. And when there was some lessons that, you know, I, I, I'm not a big Band-Aid fix guy, mm-hmm. um, just because I think that can open a whole can of worms. Uh, you know, it might work that day. The next day it's going to get worse. And I don't really like to contradict what I say week to week, too. So I don't want to have to come back and say, no, don't do that anymore. Yeah. I didn't um, really mean that last week. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a very fine line. And it's not to say that there's not Band-Aid instruction that needs to happen. Because sure. there are times that I have players that are about to play an event and I have to put something on it because I can't hit it. But I always try to view what I'm teaching, what's going to be best for the student now and long-term. Mm-hmm. So this, this gentleman came to me this offseason and said, hey, I want to sign up for six lessons. It's the most he's ever taken. And he's like, I'm going to go ahead and book them all. So something obviously was going on in his golf game for him to take that initiative. Cause usually you would see me when it was the wheels are falling off. Mm-hmm. I actually just ran into him this morning. No lesson today, just in passing. We're, our whole thing this year was he's really good short game, pretty good irons player. Putting's really good. His driving, driving was not very good. And it's not that he was missing fairways. It just wasn't going anywhere. So he's got this Arcos golf system that tracks all his stats during the round. And I think he was somewhere in like a 14, 15 handicap range for the driver when we started. And he's like a four handicap. So he's a good player. Came to me today, said, man, all my playing partners are noticing how much longer I am. We were using TrackMan last week and he was hitting it 20, 30 yards farther with the driver on the fly. Um, And he came to me, he's like, yeah, my round yesterday was a two handicap from the driving. Like I was hitting it so much farther and it was a guy that was carrying his driver 200 yards so now carrying it 229 Mm. and we we've spent four sessions together and we've really been working hard on really one big fundamental thing and it's been not the easiest stuff because it's a hard move to get but it's not only we saw in the training bay but him coming back after playing a round of golf with a pretty competitive group of people and again great player already to have that success in a very short amount of time was huge. Yeah. Right. That's great. And then I'm going to share the name here just because we both worked with a guy and I know sure. he's not going to matter if care if we, if we share is Dr. Mark Fleming. Yep. I've been working with, with doc for three, four years now. And just to see not only the swing change just from looking at it, but it's really cool for me as a teacher to see his physical improvement mm-hmm. and how much farther he's hitting the ball, how much more consistent he's hitting the ball. And, you know, he's down under that 10 handicap threshold, getting really close to the mid singles. And I got guys coming in every week to take lessons or in passing that are always like, man, you've really changed his game. I need to come see you and, and look at that. And, and that's a guy that, you know, has compl- I can tell him anything and he's going to do it. Yeah. And put the work in. He's the same way in, in the exercise. He he is fully bought in. He speaks very highly of you. Um, you know, 
we work together a couple times a week in the gym and he uh, puts in the work. He doesn't ask a lot of questions, he, meaning he's not constantly doubting you. Is right. this the right thing to do? Right. Is this what I saw, you know, DJ do on the tour on his Instagram workout the other day? He, he's not like, you know, you're the expert. Let's go. What do you got for me? And he are, he has earned that improvement. And, you know, I've only worked with him for, for almost a year now. But uh, the whole time, he's just been excited about you know, his results under your tutelage and then adding me into his game has just been, you know, just a little extra bonus that, that's pushed him along a little well, it's further. It's been huge to expedite the moves we're trying to accomplish because it's just from a physical standpoint, you yeah. know, yeah. it's kind of been impactful. So Go- going away from the training bay, online coaching, you know, I, I've got some clients that I send workouts to after doing an assessment with. I just, I don't see them very often. Um, and when I came over to Bayville uh, for fitness programming, I found out about, oh my gosh, there's, there's golf instruction that's happening on the web, you know? And uh, this is something you do. Um, can you give us the, the elevator speech on, on, on how does that work? How many clients can you work with? Is it a group thing? Is it a forum, a chat forum? Is it ind- individual video? And, you know, just kind of, I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, so the online lesson or coaching model is relatively new, I, I think. If not, I've just been out of the game for on that side. But it's really a cool thing, and it kind of goes back to the whole tech deal and all these well-known instructors. But mm-hmm. Everybody wants to take lessons from the George Gankuses of the world and the Dana Delquist and the Butch Harmons and whatnot, but they might not want to fly, sure. nor do these guys have the time. Yeah. Um, so there's this avenue now where you can submit a video and we tell you how you want to have the camera angled so that we make sure we're seeing the right stuff. Um, and you just submit it. And this, it's just like if you're taking a lesson from me in person where I'm going to draw my lines, I'm going to give you the video analysis you're going to get drills. It's just, I'm not there with you. Yeah. And it's actually a really cool platform for people that one, aren't local, um, two, we're a private club. So we have some restrictions on, mm-hmm. uh, non-member lessons. And if you're, you know, maybe more on a budget in a sense, um, cause it's not going to cost you as much as if you were in person. But I'm a big believer that you can get really good taking online coaching because one, it gives you a little bit of time to work on it. You always have that note of what you're trying to do, right? And at least with my platform, there's a way to communicate with me consistently. And there's a plethora of videos as well on that site to kind of keep you, okay, I need to do this. There's that drill. Here it is on my playlist. I want to watch that again. Here's how I should practice. Maybe I'm on for that next step. I'm going to kind of look through and just be a little more educated on the golf swing. Um, but yeah, I mean, online coaching is kind of new. Yeah. But it's very, very vital um, because you could do it at night, go to the range or a top golf and work on it. You yeah. could. Um, and for me, too, it's, you know, somebody needs a lesson, I can sit at home and crank, some, crank out as many as I need to yeah. um, and not have to worry about daylight. Well, the, va- issue. the value that I see that's crossover between my industry and your industry with online is that I've heard it w- with, with my clients over the years. There's such a high value in them 
knowing each and every day that what they're doing in the gym or what they're doing on the range or, you know, the chipping area is actually customized for them yes. versus the $29.99, you know, here's a great way to hit longer balls mm-hmm. off the tee. Mm-hmm. Um, value when someone's in, that's the thing about, you mentioned it earlier, golf's expensive. You know, there's definitely a certain type of clientele that's playing golf mm-hmm. and then spending additional money, not to just buy green fees, but to actually get better. Um, knowing that they can work with someone at a relatively affordable price through their iPad yep. uh, has got to be life-changing. I mean, to tell everybody, you know, how, how does someone get a hold of you with, uh, with online coaching or obviously with, uh, you know, in-person coaching? Yeah, so um, I have a website. It's uh, andrewbrewergolf.com. Um, so it is a membership site. Um, you sign up. There's different tiered packages, um, kind of like a Netflix style where you get all these videos included. And then you can do all a cart online lessons or do a prepaid package monthly that gives you X amount of online lessons. Um, so that that's kind of the best way to do it. Um, for in-person lessons, it's again, we're a private club here. That's part of the reason why I created the online platform, sure. just with the exposure um, with the Golf Digest. And, you know, there's there are some really good golf instructors in the area, but everybody's at private clubs. Yep. Um, and there's just not a huge teaching that I've seen in this area, yeah. unless you go across the peninsula. Uh, so just trying to create that exposure to put some quality golf instruction out there at affordable price for the public um so that's it i have an instagram it's uh, aj brewer golf um on instagram uh the follow there um which you will put some content of before and afters on swings sure. and, and whatnot but uh yeah that's cool so let's go to let's go to some fun questions about the actual game and sport of golf and the tour and kind of you know current events that are happening um Masters is coming up. You know, that's kind of usually the signal and the kickoff of of a season for, you know, kind of an amateur golfer is like, oh, it's time to get, you know, the irons cleaned off and and dust off the dust off the bag. You know, it's coming up on April. Tiger Woods, you know, came back last year, 2019. Uh, how many years between majors it, was it? I was like, what? Gosh, I want to say when 10. Yeah. 10 to 12 years. So he's in, obviously, you know, he won last year, dramatic fashion. Can he do it again? If not, you know, who are some favorites for you coming up? I think he can. The Augusta really does fit to his game. You don't have to be necessarily the longest. Um, Augusta is all about, can you hit the green? Can you hit the fairway? Can you putt? Um, And also just, he's won so many of them. The he's not going to feel the pressure like somebody else is going yeah. to. Um, Francisco Molinari. I mean, I hated to see what happened last year. You hate to see somebody lose it. Yeah. Just kind of, uh, but I think he's got a great game. I think he's going to come, you know, if he can get over, I mean, he's already won a major, so it's not like he's yeah. hunting for the first one. I think that he's going to be a tough one in there. Rory is playing great. Um, I, it just again depends on his mental state. Sure. Um, so I, I would say those three are going to be kind of your front runners. Um, 
hitting it far on that golf course doesn't hurt you at all as long as it's in the fairway. So yeah. Who's the, who's the dark horse at the masters that I'd say, let's just say 50% to 70% of our listeners have never even heard of this person mm. that's, you know, going to finish in the top 10, you know, you know, let's just say he's going to have a lot of his shots televised, you know, more so than, than someone else. Victor Hovland. Ah, now he's a well-known name. He just won recently. Um, he's younger, but I, I don't think he's a household name now. And he's, I don't think so. He's I, still going to be kind of under the radar. I just but know him. For- his golf swing is so freaking money. Yeah. And he's just got a good head on his shoulders. I, I think he's a young gun. Him, It's him, Matthew Wolf, and Colin Morikawa are kind of the future of golf, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be good. Or he already is great, but yeah. I think he's a sleeper. Because he's, he's not your household name. He's no, he's not. not. I just know him. He hasn't I mean, won a major yet. I know golf. I could name you know, 25, 30 golfers pretty quickly. But I just know him from seeing workout video compilations on Instagram. Right. I don't know him from like seeing his name on a leaderboard right. all the time. You he's know, been like, very consistent this year and where he's finished. And yeah, yeah I think I think he's going to be a good one. And I mean, I'm just throwing it out there just because I really like his golf game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Howell III, Mr. Consistency, usually top 10 guy, but doesn't win a lot. So, yeah. you know, I'd like for him to get a major at some point. Absolutely. But, and I, mean, I, was, it, you know, I was seeing, uh, you know, he works with, with Dana and Grant Waite. And uh, I saw on Dana's Instagram yesterday because he's down at Bay Hill and he was hitting 180 ball speed with driver, which is just crazy, crazy. fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, we're not talking Rory long, but it's up there. Yeah. So, and that was kind of one of the things for him that I've seen is just driver's always been a trouble. So he, uh, he, he I'd watch out for him. Gotcha. Um, cliche, cliche question, but do you have a favorite golfer? Could be a pro, could be an amateur, could be, you know, male, female, could be, you know, your uncle, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to probably lose a lot of, people here but yeah but I, they, everybody knows i'm putting you on the spot right now i uh grew up a huge sergio garcia fan Ooh, and i yeah. know that that's like whoa that's not a thing to be proud of uh, <laughs> but and it sounds so stupid when i say it out loud but i really liked how sergio dressed yeah he always looked the most put together adidas at, man at, at the time yeah. adidas was kind of the put pushing the edge on the golf attire they were he had his signature clothing line with the cool s on the back of the hat which now the only thing that i see out there is jordan spieth has his own little logo now on the under yep. armor um and i was like man that guy's awesome and again not the most popular opinion pop, yeah. here but i wasn't a huge tiger fan growing up uh-huh. i didn't dislike him sure and this is before the whole yeah, getting yeah. chased with a nine iron kind of thing. But yep. I, my sports loving career, I've always liked underdogs, I guess, or yep. bad teams. Like I'm a Detroit Lions fan. Not very many of us. We're not very good. It's fine. So I, I kind of just like always grew up not liking the really good players. And so Tiger was just so dominant when I was coming up. And I was just like, I'm tired of seeing this guy win. Like I understand how good he is. I really respected it. And I was like, this guy's probably the best player I ever played a game. But I'm like, Sergio at the time was like, this guy's going to be the dude yeah. to beat Tiger. Uh, it was like David Duvall for a while. Yeah. It was Sergio Garcia, uh, Phil Mickelson. It was like, that was always, and yeah. I, I agree. It was like, I got a little tired of Tiger's winning, just like, you know, Michael Jordan or Shaq and Kobe or, you know, it just, it gets a little old and you want that guy that was like always there in the top five mm-hmm. to finally break through. Yeah, so I, I, I still like Sergio. 
Um, I wouldn't say I'm as big of a fan now, just based off on course antics. Sure. Um, which we can bring that into another person that, you know, say, oh, this guy's kind of cool. And now, mm, can't yeah, stand like, oh, damn. But, uh, you know, Justin Thomas is probably one of my favorite, just from a golf swing standpoint, how yeah. he carries himself. His dad was a PGA pro, or still is a PGA pro. Like, that whole deal, like, really bad respect for Justin Thomas now. So, I yeah. guess that's kind of started to switch. But, yeah. Um, what about uh, the Patrick Reed thing? Yeah, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, in private, you know, where where you feel we are on on that is that overblown uh everything from you know back at georgia all the way through to what was that hawaii um with the sand trap stuff is it overblown or is the criticism on him and the you know the treatment of him behaviorally is it is it negative press or is it is it is it you know should he, has he earned that yeah. yes but no. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent answer. Yes, he has earned every bit of backlash that has come at him. Um, I mean, you can't... If you did it one time in your career, okay, you'd messed up. We get it. But it just seems to be this common occurrence. I mean, you hear the stories at Georgia about the cheating going on in the qualifiers. You hear the same thing at Augusta State. You hear it, you know, you see it on TV with the sand, right? You see... Um, the whole deal now with Costas, with he's seeing him improve his lies, and you watch these videos, and it's just like, dude, either this guy is just way smarter than everybody else, or like something's wrong mentally. Yeah, you know, um, I have no problem with guys that are in for it for themselves, and they're super competitive, and they're not trying to make friends out there, and they're just trying to win. I have no problem with that. Sure. I respect 100%. that a lot, but to blatantly gain an advantage i mean golf's a game of ethics it's a game of integrity right yeah if you throw that out of the wall the game we're no better than anything else like golf is a self policed game absolutely agree with that now when you're playing on tv you have cameras and there's things that can call you out on it but and and we had this conversation where i was i told you and i'll say it again that i would have way more respect for patrick reed if he just came out and said yep i cheated i did it on purpose yeah Sorry, I got caught. Hey, let's move on. Exactly. Let's move on. Right? I'll take my two. I'll rather take my two strap penalty than have to play it out of that lie. Yep. I have no problem with that. Doesn't make me like him as a person, but I'd respect him better. Well, yeah. Like what happened with? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up on who the actual golfer was. I think it was Rory, where he, you know, tried to move some grain, but it was an accident in the sand. And you know, they came over and looked at it, reviewed the video, and said, "Yeah, we got to give you a two stroke penalty." And he was yeah. like. Totally understandable. I mean, I think he was in contention. Yeah, I mean, it, ha- it happens so many times. We had there's the whole Lexi Thompson thing that happened in the right. U.S. Open with the ball not being placed in the same spot. Right. Um. So that's it. But where I say no is it was only one in Mexico. Yeah. You're gonna tell me there's all this outrage that Patrick shouldn't be allowed to win. Blah blah blah. And I would be tickled pink if he never got invited on a Ryder Cup team. Right. Just you know whatever but when we start saying who can and can't win tournaments yeah that's a problem i mean he he won that tournament he flat out won that tournament yep cameras were on the whole time to say that he didn't deserve to win it or that he shouldn't have been allowed to or to somebody else deserved it better yeah come on who are we exactly as long as he didn't cheat and win and we knew he cheated and i'm fine 
And is there not at the PGA level? There is a marshal that follows every grouping. I mean, mean, of course, they can only see so much. You got thousands of people out there. Yeah, and you got camera, especially on Patrick Reed. Now you're going to tell me that there's not always going to be a camera on him. Right. Right. So, and he's under the microscope, and he deserves every little bit of that. Yeah. And I hope that one day he can prove us wrong because he is Captain America. He did so much for us in that Ryder Cup, but. I mean, it's just integrity, and I don't think he has it. Yeah, you know, something something's missing there. Like you said, I I I would agree. You mentioned the Ryder Cup. Let's just say Andrew Brewer, you are the Ryder Cup captain. Who is your captain's choice? Who's your Who's your person that you know? Obviously, you're you're you're, you're captain for the states. Who are you going to choose? You know that that doesn't necessarily, you know, fit in the top ten. Wow. I know. That's a great question. There's so many uh, good the variables players. are enormous. I'm gonna, I think I'm going with Charles Howe. There you go. I really do. I mean, I, I'm terrible when it comes to golf history on some of this stuff. And uh, I don't yeah, know if he's yeah. ever played in the Ryder Cup or not, but he's not a very common name for some people. Sure. Um, I, I mean, dude's solid. Yeah. Doesn't mess up. You know, might yeah. not be the flashiest guy out there, but I'm taking Doesn't him. matter. That's cool. I'm good answer. All right, if you've got unlimited budget, what are the first three training aids you purchase for golf instruction? First three, I'm buying a TrackMan. Okay. Does so much. It does full swing, chipping, putting. You've seen the combine, all the, all the yep. stuff. And also now it works with like your iPhone. can be oh, your yeah. camera and it That's all. That's right. It gives you, it's a portable studio. Uh, so you get a lot of value for the minimal price considering everything else that you're not having to buy. Uh, so that's the first thing I'm buying. Um, I would then purchase a putting platform. Okay. And then I would get a um, gears or gears-like 3D system. Gotcha. Yeah. Those would be the three big things. Favorite course you have played golf on? Torrey Pines. North or south? South. South course, Torrey Pines. Got really lucky this year to play it right after the farmer's insurance. Golf course ate my lunch for, you know, it mm-hmm. rough was unbelievably thick, but it's breathtakingly beautiful. It's a challenging golf course. I think just knowing U.S. Opens here, knowing the history with Tiger and Rocco, I'm biased too because Mark Leishman is a member here and yep. he won. So, I mean, it was, it was really cool. That's awesome. It was really cool. All right. Dream course you have yet to play. Cyprus. Mm-hmm next to Pebble Beach. Mm. Very, 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 very private. You see photos of it. It's breathtaking. You know, it's not, I mean, I could sit here all day and everybody say Augusta, but yeah, I think I'd rather play Cyprus. All right, very good. We, uh, coming to an end here, we're gonna do the quick fire Q and A. Um, we do this with all of our, our guests. I'm just gonna shoot out quick random questions in no particular order and you just give me top of your head best answer on just things you know favorite this favorite that are you ready to go yep favorite food barbecue favorite exercise box jumps nice biggest fear heights favorite color orange apple or samsung apple nike or under armor adidas Ooh, yeah. Very good. Threw that in there. Favorite asset about yourself? Oh, geez. Um, 
It's a curveball. Yeah, that was a curveball. I wasn't yeah, expecting like, that one. I'm going to go with just willingness to learn. There you go. Dream job. Director of instruction at my own facility. There you go. Dream vacation. Backpacking Europe for a month. Nice. Favorite season of the year? Spring. Best concert you've attended? Mark Knopfler. Best memory of your childhood? One of the best. One of the best memories of my childhood. Um, Hitting a uh, buzzer beater in JV basketball to to tie the game. That was probably the best memory. That's cool. Sunset or sunrise? Sunrise. New York or L.A.? Haven't been to either, so I don't know. We'll go New York, East Coast. There you go. Favorite app on your phone? Instagram. There you go. Sweet or salty? Salty. What's your favorite pizza topping? Pineapple. You have a favorite workout song? Wait, did you say pineapple? I did say pineapple. That's, again, just not very popular. Man, I, I look, I, I'm going to whisper this, but I like pineapple on pizza. Why not get some fruit while you're eating your pizza? Exactly. Right? Whatever. Um, workout song. Workout song is probably Eye of the Tiger. Mm, survivor. You yes. got to love it. Yeah. Uh, pets. Do you have any pets? I do. I have an Australian Shepherd. There you go. What is his or her name? She, her name is Lila, four and a half months old. There you go. Uh, on the same topic of pets, you have a pet peeve? Being late. Mm. What would your superpower be if you had one? I'd really like to read people's minds, nice. especially being in the industry that I'm in. Oh, yeah, that would definitely help. Yeah. Uh, what's your most frequently used emoji? Thumbs up. I would have to agree. Mine's thumbs up. Rap or rock music? Rock. Favorite rock artist, then? Dire Straits. Wow, that surprised me. Nice. Are you a morning person? Yes. Uh, what's the furthest away from Norfolk you've ever been? Or, I'm sorry, Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads. I guess Greece. That's pretty far. Favorite yeah. sports team? Detroit Lions. Drake or Kendrick Lamar, if you had to choose one? Drake. LeBron or Michael Jordan? Definitely Michael. And then I guess we obviously know the Tiger versus someone in the field. You got to go Sergio, you know, or, or CH3. Yeah. Crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Neither. Not a peanut butter fan. Oh, another reason not to have you back on the show. Yeah. Golly. Well, my mom was allergic growing up, so I never really got to eat it. I see. So just my daughter does not like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I like jelly sandwiches. That's amazing. See, to me, like what seven-year-old doesn't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Uh, Would you rather vacation on a beach or in a mountain? Mountains. And last question. What is your secret talent? that no one knows about, something you're just really good at sporadically, has nothing to do with golf instruction, just kind of like, you know. Um, like I alluded to earlier, I'm really good, or used to be a really good bowler, and then I play guitar at like a semi-professional oh, nice. level. So Very good. Yeah. Um, so again, go with your Instagram, your website, just kind of summarize everything. How, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, so uh, andrewbrewergolf.com is the website. Um, that's going to have... Pretty much all my, I believe all my contact stuff on their email, whatnot. Um, a way to do online lessons, get uh, tip videos. Uh, Instagram's A Brewer Golf. Um, on Instagram, you always DM me on that or 
comment on any of the posts to see and always looking for new ideas too of like what people want to see yep so that's always great feedback to get from people um facebook's andrew Burgoff as well mm-hmm. um i don't really do twitter that much yeah. or have tiktok which is starting <laughs> to become a big thing i guess for golf but uh yeah very that's the best way to get old andrew Burr, thank you for being on the Myerside chat we appreciate your time and uh, we look forward to having you on again thanks for having me bill absolutely Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Bye.